0: Praise Lord, for Thy great plan, that we Thy dwelling place may be.
1: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This life study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. In Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus, the great persecutor of the Christian church, is seeking out all those that call on the name of the Lord to persecute them. But just days later, he himself becomes one of the very callers whom he formerly tormented. Stay with us for a rich life study of the Bible with Witness Lee, as we take an in-depth look at what it is to call on the name of the Lord. This program is furnished by Living Stream Ministry, and again today we will bring you recorded portions from the spoken ministry of Witness Lee, who together with Watchman Nee in mainland China in the 1920s and 30s brought the gospel to their kinsmen and established New Testament churches throughout the land. Dick Taylor is back with us once again today as we look into one of the hidden jewels that has been recovered back to the practice of New Testament believers, calling on the name of the Lord. Welcome back, Dick.
2: Thank you, Chris. Good to be back and to get into this hidden jewel, which is such a precious experience of our dear, available Christ. Lord Jesus, we love you.
1: Amen. Dick, it's not hidden any longer, and for those who are listening today, to which it's presently hidden... We trust that they will stay with us for 30 minutes, and something marvelous will be uncovered and unveiled.
2: Amen. Well, we
1: are looking today, Dick, in context at Paul's defense of his position before the religious leaders in Jerusalem. And these leading ones were by now intent on doing away with him. They were even seeking his life. For some review, Dick, what were the events that led up to this very intense situation in Jerusalem?
2: Paul, after making a long journey, now was returning to Jerusalem because he had a burden for the source of the flow going out to all the churches. He realized something was wrong in Jerusalem. Judaism was creeping in and he'd gone back to actually see the situation because he cared that all the churches in the body of Christ would remain in the pure flow of the resurrected and ascended Christ who was propagating himself as life. So he went back to Jerusalem concerned, and when he got there, he saw a very compromising, weak, uh, religious situation, which was very uh, difficult to face. For example, in chapter 21, verse 20, the leading ones in Jerusalem were saying, Paul, look, observe, brother, look how many thousands there are among the Jews who have believed, and all are zealous for the law. Wow. This is terrible. Christ is the replacement to all the Old Testament things. But now they have gone back to replace Christ with the law. So Paul was a very burdened, but it was a very intense situation. And he himself actually somewhat got caught in this. And he entered into a vow with some of them. And I'd like to read part of a footnote from chapter 21. God might have tolerated Paul's carrying out of a private vow in chapter 18, verse 18. But he would not allow Paul, a vessel chosen by him, not only for the completing of his New Testament revelation, but also for the carrying out of his New Testament economy, to participate in the Nazarite vow, a strict Judaic practice. In going to Jerusalem, Paul's intention might have been to clear up the Judaic influence on the church there. But God knew that the church there was incurable. And because Paul entered into this vow, and many who were zealous Jews, zealous for Judaism rather than for Christ, saw him in this environment and realized who he was. So they rose up in anger to do away with him. This is kind of the situation that we're facing right here as we enter into this chapter. So Paul, because of this, the rioting people had to be carried out of the atmosphere by soldiers. He had to be brought before the rulers. And it brings us to the situation in chapter 22 where he's giving his testimony. That's
1: exactly where we've come, Dick, chapter 22, and we're going to join Witness Lee as he begins to speak about verse 16, and we're going to see a comparison between verse 16 and chapter 22, and a reference back to the time of Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9. And this comparison is too marvelous. We really would like to encourage our listeners, pay close attention as we get this comparison unveiled today, because in it is something marvelous. Let's join Witness Lee. In verse
0: 16... This was the word of Ananias. In chapter 9, Luke's record didn't go so far as he does here. Ananias said, and now why do you delay? You have to do three things. Rise up, be baptized, and wash away your sins. By what way could you say the following phrase is an adverb? And this adverb modifies the predicate, wash away. Wash away your sins, calling on his name. Ananias didn't say, wash away your sins and call on his name. No and here. You know the grammar. By the grammar, you could see calling on his name was... A modified grammatical speaking. Actually, it was a term for the washing away. The calling on his name is a term, a condition that you have to fulfill for the washing away of your sins. Now, we have to investigate what is the main thing which Ananas considered as Paul's sins. No doubt, Paul's persecuting, arresting of the callers of Jesus. You know, he went out to arrest those who call on the name of Jesus. This was his major sin. And he was not only condemned by God, He was also condemned by the Lord's callers because the calling of the name of the Lord was a sign. Wherever Paul went, Paul didn't need to ask whether this is a believer or not. Just listen to whether he calls or not. Okay, now you, Paul, repent. But you have to wash away that sin. sin? What sin? The sin that you arrested, Jesus called us. Now, in order to wash away this sin, you have to call. Your calling becomes the term of your sins being washed away. You must practice the thing that you condemned, calling on his name. This was Paul's transfer. He was transferred from one realm to another realm.
1: Dick, I don't know about you, but I very much enjoyed this heavenly irony that we saw in this section. Let's set this up for our listeners because it's a magnificent and meaningful point. Paul, of course, is giving an account of his salvation or conversion experience to these religious leaders. And in verse 16, he quotes the word that was spoken to him by Ananias, a dear brother in Damascus, the first Christian to really help Paul. This is verse 16. And now, why do you delay? Rise up and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. But to fully appreciate the context of this, we have to go back to chapter 9 and pick up verse 14. And this is where Ananias is telling the Lord about Paul. 9.14 says... And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call upon your name. Dick, how significant is this, that the Lord gave Paul the charge to wash away his sins, calling on the
2: name? Because as you mentioned, Chris, before Paul was converted, he had the authority from the chief priests to bind everyone who called on the name of the Lord. And that's what he did. He persecuted them. He sent them to prison, even had some of them stoned to death like Stephen in Acts chapter 7. So, what was the sin that was most notable that Ananias pointed out to him when he said, Why do you delay, Paul? Rise up and be baptized. Wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. Actually, Ananias was pointing out particular sins that Paul had committed, especially the sins of killing the callers of the Lord. The Lord loves all those who call on his dear name. And so many called. just like Stephen in Acts 7. He died saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And uh, Paul could never forget that. That was a real sin to kill that caller. So for the Christians to believe that Paul was serious, About converting to Christ and transferring out of Judaism into our dear Lord Jesus, he was charged at his baptism that while he was being baptized, he would wash away his sins by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. This is to prove that he has turned away from this sin of killing those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus, and that he himself is a genuine caller on the name of the Lord.
1: It's marvelous that the Lord would choose such a method of Paul to assist with his baptism in this incredible washing that he must have so desperately desired at this time. No doubt, he must have been very ridden with the guilt and the feeling of the immensity of the sin that you've talked about.
2: No doubt, and he saw so many precious lovers of the Lord calling on his name, and he killed them and persecuted them.
1: Dick, we're going to go back to Witness Lee as we look a little more carefully at this matter of calling. Here's Witness Lee.
0: Once you call, you really touch the Lord. Amen. Let me uh, demonstrate. Quite often in my early days, I prayed in a silent way. We all did the same. You know, there is a real problem in this silent prayer especially late in the evening. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Late in the evening, before bed, if you pray suddenly, you can suffer the best sleeping dose. (laughs) If you couldn't get into sleep, you better pray that way. (laughs) But if you just say, Oh! Lord, oh Lord! I tell you, you could never take it that. You enjoy the Lord. Now you could understand why this matter of calling on the name is so much in the Bible. Because when you call on the Lord, the Lord gets the ground, the chance to propagate himself into you. You try, dear saints, calling on the name of the Lord. I tell you, you get the very resurrection of Christ propagated into you. It's not a doctrine. He's in you. He's working. Don't forget verse a verse, the Lord is rich unto all who call on his name? His word could never be in vain. His rage, in all the divine things, in all the spiritual things. If you are going to participate in his riches, you have to call. Romans ten says, "Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." Romans ten also says, "The Lord is rich to all that call." his name. You experience his close presence. How do you know that he is nigh to you? You call. But if you argue, I tell you, the more you argue, the more you debate, the more he's gone. Just call two or three times. He's nigh. He's not only nigh. He's right in you. And he becomes your enjoyment. He becomes all kinds of solution to you. This is a fact. So, this is a truth. It's not a superficial teaching, doctrine. This is what we need.
1: Well, Dick, here we see the matter of calling, Uh, not so much from the standpoint of a teaching or a doctrine, but really as a practice, even a necessary practice, promoted heavily in the book of Acts and in the book of Romans by the Apostle Paul himself. As a practice related to our experience, Dick what's your own testimony regarding calling?
2: I have appreciated the Lord Jesus a thousand times more since I've begun to practice calling on his dear name. It's good to see that the Lord, of course he became flesh to be the man Jesus, then he was crucified on the cross, he was resurrected from the dead, But then in Philippians 2, it says he was not only raised and exalted, but he was given a name above every name that is named. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord, it says in Romans 10, will be saved. My testimony, Chris, is I am a different Christian since I have begun to practice, to call on On the exalted, ascended, glorious, breathable, precious, lovable name of Jesus. I would encourage all who are listening to practice. Even to call on the Lord's name. Practice a hundred times a day. Five hundred times a day. A thousand times a day. If you cannot call loudly, at least call softly. Lord Jesus. Jesus, I love you. You practice calling. You will be a different Christian. You know, I'm reminded of the meaning of prayer. The meaning of prayer is not just to say a lot of things to God. The real meaning of prayer intrinsically and essentially is to contact God, to absorb God, to enjoy Him the best way. And actually, the shortest and most meaningful prayer we could pray is just to call on the Lord's dear name. Every time you say, Oh, Lord! Oh, Lord, think of the Psalms. How many times did David say, Oh, Lord? First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1-2, I think, Chris, you mentioned it to me earlier today, says that we were called by the Lord to call on his name. So what a privilege to call on his name. In the Old Testament in Lamentations, it says to call on his name is equal to breathing. So what is prayer? How do you even unceasingly pray? You need to be a breathing person. What's the simplest way to breathe? According to the New Testament revelation, it's to call on the dear, ascended, glorious name of Jesus. So we would encourage all of you to practice this. If you don't want to be a dead Christian anymore, practice to call on the living name of the living one, Lord Jesus. It says in Romans ten twelve that the Lord is rich, to all who call on him. What does this mean? This means the more we call, breathing his name, expressing our love to him, the more he fills us with all that he is and all of his unsearchable riches, filling us with himself as God, as the perfect man, his humanity, the effectiveness of his crucifixion, his resurrection, his being our love, our peace, our satisfaction, our enjoyment, our everything. You just call on His name. This is God's revelation in the New Testament. My wife and I have been married 34 years. We can testify. Our marriage is different. Our love for one another, our oneness with each other, our contact with people, our concern for the Lord in His heart is altogether different because we practice to call on the dear name of the one whom we love, Lord Jesus. Please call on him.
1: Dick, we most often consider Paul in the New Testament as the source of the great teaching, inspiring doctrine. But here we're seeing Paul's own testimony of his experience of coming to Christ and his walk with Christ. This is not teaching and doctrine. This is the Apostle Paul as he lived day by day and an integral, inseparable part of this walk was his practice of calling on the name of the Lord. Dick, let's go back to Witness Lee.
0: Baptism is a great transfer. The New Testament ministry began with baptism. We have stressed this matter many times that baptism means, firstly, termination, and it leads to a germination. Here you could see by termination and germination, surely there is a real transfer. No wonder the New Testament begins with baptism. That indicates all the Old Testament should be terminated. A new beginning begins. Yet today, some others made baptism just a poor, a mere ritual for people to enter into another kind of religion. This is poor. We all have to realize that uh, when we were baptized, we were transferred. Strictly speaking, we were transferred out of Adam into Christ. We have been pull out of Adam, and put into you Christ. But to many of the Christians, this has not been fully taught. To some others, this has been taught, yet it has become just a doctrinal matter. It is not so practical in their Christian life. Our Christian life should be just out of Adam and in Christ. We don't live anymore in that sphere of Adam. Now, our living is absolutely in the sphere of Christ. I feel it is good if we would baptize people while we are baptizing them, we charge them at the baptizing time to call on the name. They have to call on the name of the Lord. Isn't this good? Just while you are eating, you have to breathe. Don't stop breathing when you eat. Now, you are going to be baptized, you have to call. Calling modifies the baptizing to make this transfer stringent by bear calling. And I do believe, as we have experienced so much, when one would be baptized, calling surely this calling would strengthen his being baptized. And this will strengthen his transfer.
1: Well, Dick, baptism is presented very marvelously in this section. And it's far more than just an outward ritual to confirm our so-called conversion experience. It's actually our transfer out of Adam and into Christ. Don't you appreciate how the calling and baptism are combined here? to really bring the believer practically and experientially into this
2: transfer. I really do appreciate this connection. As our brother mentioned, this matter of calling on the name of the Lord in 2216 is just an adverbial phrase in modifying the verb of be baptized. And uh, the whole point is that the best way and the unique way to be baptized And for baptism to be a reality is to be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. So the verse is basically saying, be baptized. How? Calling on the name of the Lord. That's how. And then you see in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, it says, When we call on the name of the Lord, that's the way to receive the Spirit. It says, No one can say, Lord Jesus, except in the Holy Spirit. Then in chapter 12, verse 13 of 1 Corinthians, it says, For in one spirit were we all baptized, and we're all given to drink one spirit. So the more we enjoy the Lord through calling on his name while we're being baptized, the more we enjoy the reality of baptism. And baptism is not just a ritual, not just an outward uh, kind of thing that we do but baptism becomes so real because Christ himself as the Spirit becomes the reality of baptism. How is this possible? Through calling on the name of the Lord. Chris, I believe you've seen this. I've seen this many, many times. People were baptized and when they were baptized and while being baptized, like Acts 22.16 says, they were calling on the name of the Lord. Their baptism was different. The experience they had was a real transfer out of Adam into Christ, out of religion into Christ himself. To really enjoy the reality of baptism, we should be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. Then you are delivered from mere ritual, and that baptism is really meaningful. You're transferred into God's New Testament economy, which is just Christ himself.
1: Dick, a while ago you referred to a footnote, the footnote that accompanies this verse in Acts, verse 16, chapter 22. I think a lot of people hearing this would say, you know, it's just hard for me to do that. It's hard for me to say, Lord Jesus, out loud. Well, the point in this footnote, at least one of the points in this marvelous footnote, is that no doubt that was not easy for the Apostle Paul. He was the one who was persecuting those calling, and now Ananias, it says, let me just read this last little portion. It's very marvelous. He was charged by Ananias to call on the name that he had formerly abhorred. He had to do this and act contrary to his former practice at his baptism, in which he made a public confession of the Lord, whom he had persecuted. But Dick he got won over because, as you've mentioned, all of these books that he wrote that are replete with this reference and this encouragement, this exhorting, Romans 10, 13 and ten and the verses in 1 Corinthians, Paul was won over. He became a caller, didn't
2: he? He sure did. And his epistles are saturated with calling. Just think of 2 Timothy 2, 22. He said, Flee youthful lust, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. With who? With those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. His books that he wrote in the New Testament are saturated with this precious practice of calling on the name of the Lord.
1: Dick, I wish we had more time to go on with this. This has been fun. Thanks, Dick. You're welcome. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our broadcast today. We've enjoyed preparing it. We would hope that you would like to get more into this matter. Uh, One way we would recommend, of course, the recovery version from which we've been quoting today is an invaluable source. Another major source of enlightenment and depth on this matter is the Life Study itself, the printed Life Study message. To receive this, please call our toll-free number. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121. Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Dick Taylor today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening.
0: Receive us into thy wise hands.
1: We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.